the future of photography. Hello and welcome to the Future of Photography, the show where we explore how new technology can help you make fantastic photos. My name is Chris Marquardt. And my name is Adrian Stock. Hi, everybody. So we have a couple of things. First of all, we have, of course, have the topic of the show, which is L16. L16, the camera that looked almost a bit of a Franken camera with its 16 built-in cameras. Okay, we'll talk about this in detail. It um, looks like the creature from the Black Lagoon, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It's, it's a weird-looking thing, but um, well, they have some good things, some in- some interesting findings, some things that are not as nice, so we'll, we'll definitely have a closer look. We have some actual hands-on um, by someone I know. And uh, then, of course, it is the 3rd of January when this episode comes out, so Happy New Year, Adrian! Well, thank you very much, mate. Happy New Year to you too. Uh, it's uh, 2018. It's going to be an exciting year. Um, oh yes. And uh, you know, we've, we're even going to start with an announcement. I think, aren't we? In a bit. Well, an announcement or um, the, the 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 conclusion to what we started about a month ago, which was the name the robot contest. Let's do this right now. So. Oh, do we not have to? Can we not just make everybody listen to a whole show about the L sixteen before yeah, we do the exciting yeah, bit at the end? Yeah, what do you reckon? Yeah. Should we do this at the end? Okay, okay, let's do this at the end. What a cliffhanger! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's too much. To, yeah, this is so. This is the, the the new year, right? There's been too much instant gratification over the holiday period. Surely. Oh yeah, about about uh, four centi- four centimeters in my belt. Yep. <laughs> so. Let's see. <laughs> um, okay, L sixteen. Let's start. Just let's start with the L sixteen. What is the L sixteen? What What do you know? What do you know about it? What do I know about it? Okay, so I think I know it is a camera that has. Well, it, it, it's sixteen cameras in one, and uh, it looks a bit like a, a as if you took the screen. Well, in it, well, as if you took a, a big clunky smartphone. So it's a sort of a, a brick shaped thing, and on the front it's got lots and lots of small camera lenses um but they're all built into it they don't stick out and then on the back there's a screen i think but beyond that i i think a lot of it is science and maths isn't it well it 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 is and uh the way i would characterize it is it looks like a an overweight smartphone so it's it's a slab (laughs) it's a brick shape it doesn't have any lenses protruding from it i think nothing really uh, protrudes from it and uh, it's it's pretty much a glass front, a glass back. It's bigger than a plus size phone, and it's smaller than an iPad Mini. So it's somewhere in between that. Um, okay. It's been created by a startup called Light, and you can find them at light.co. And that camera, uh, yeah, behind that front glass, it's a flat, flat front of glass, and behind that there are sixteen cameras. Uh, looking outside, they actually don't look outside directly. Because they are they are in the camera, ninety degrees um, tilted or turned, and then they have little diagonal mirrors that they look out through. Really? So it's, it looks very very weird from the front. They are also not all perpendicular to each other, so it has all weird angles and shapes. And of course, each of those little round holes under the glass has little printing around it saying what what focal length the individual uh, lens has. I didn't know they were mounted at 90 degrees. That's that's interesting. So already this is sounding like something that is absolutely <laughs> a topic for the future of photography, isn't it? It definitely we've got, is. We've got lenses that point the wrong way. We've got a, a camera that like can shoot in long distances but actually looks like a phone. We've got, yeah, go on, keep, t- tell me more. So it, ha- it has an, it's an interesting concept because these different cameras have uh, different focal lengths. And what the camera does it it doesn't choose just one camera and then you take a photo but it combines photos from all of those into a single picture i'm so glad get, to hear you say that because i've got a drawer full of cameras i'm quite capable myself of choosing <laughs> one camera to take a single photo well now, on, a, on a good day anyway <laughs> now what it what it seems to do is it stitches those together so you have this like like you take multiple pictures with your one camera and then you put it through a panorama stitching software and you put it uh together and that opens up quite some interesting possibilities. One being uh, what they what I would call focus tuning. So you have you have uh, 
uh, an array of cameras pretty much and that means you have you have different um, uh, places from where you shoot the photo so you have a little spatial variation in there and through some mathematics you can change the depth of field on the photos after the fact it is a bit similar to or it, it, it reminds of what Lytro did do you remember Lytro we'll, we'll yeah, have a yeah, this, we have a, a full episode on Lytro as well because it is uh, it's still an interesting topic to talk about. But you can change the background blur on this one. And so that is interesting. And it ends up um, with photos over 50 megapixels in size because you have those multiple uh, exposures that will stitch together. So, so, it, it, it pro- so it's, it's already hitting a lot of buttons, isn't it, for topics we've covered in previous shows? You know, lots <laughs> yes. and lots of pixels, lots and lots of stitching, yeah. uh, the ability to, j- to, to change focus and, and do things after the fact. Right. I, unfortunately, I never got to play with Elytro in real life, but I remember they had. I have. <laughs> uh, th- there was quite a... Um, there was a software plugin, wasn't there, that you could plug into browsers and stuff that gave you some sort of sliders and controls that to you refocus, could change the, you click yeah, on the to focus. refocus. Yeah, which which is like by the way is dead now. They killed that plugin infrastructure, the backend. Oh, that's but a that's shame. A, I quite that's like for, that. <laughs> that's for a different episode. Um, Light is a startup. They came. They they I think funded the the L sixteen camera through Kickstarter, as far as I know, and or some crowdfunding platform. And the cost is about seven hundred US, seventeen hundred US dollars. So it's not cheap. Ooh, that's yeah. So it wants to be good for that price because well, that's going up against top of the line mirrorless and mid-range DSLRs at this point, isn't it? Definitely. So you are, you are, you, you you should have some expectations for that sort of a price. And one of the expectations that it definitely meets is the the size. It isn't light. It is very massive, from what I've heard, and uh, it. It is, but it doesn't have a protruding lens, so it sticks. It doesn't have anything sticking out, so you can sort of shove it into a pocket. So um, it sounds like a coat pocket camera to me, sort of, a, yes, rather than a trouser pocket camera. So I have, um, I've, I've waited. This thing has been out for a while, and they're still working on the software. I have waited a bit until I had a chance to at least talk to someone who had their hands on this camera. And uh, I have a friend in Toronto, Sean Galbraith, who had a chance to play with it uh, for a bit. And uh, so let's hear him. I have recorded this uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, here's what he has to say. All right, Sean, good to have you on Skype. Um, You recently sent me a photo of your hand holding the L16. Yeah, and, and and I instantly got back to you and said, "Hey, you have to tell me about this." So, uh, first of all, give us a quick introduction on who you are. Uh, Sean Galbraith, Toronto photographer, urban planner, trespasser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Friend the, of the show, the guy who the guy who <laughs> climbs into derelict buildings and things. Yep. Yeah. So you've had the chance to play with the L16, which is has been out just a while ago when we record this. First of all, how how does it feel? How big is it? How how much heft does it have? It has a nice weight to it. It doesn't feel plasticky. I don't think it has much plastic on it. Um, it feels like a metal camera. Um, it it feels like it's really well made and sturdy. Um, no no rattles. Nothing. The pieces feel machined. How does it compare to a smartphone in size? I would say it's a little bit smaller than uh, like an iPad Mini, mm-hmm. but maybe larger than um larger than uh, an iphone plus or like a, a maybe galaxy note okay but it's it's definitely thicker it's definitely thicker it's about like an inch thick mm-hmm. maybe a little bit less than that okay um and it feels you know feels solid metal it really feels well well put together all right, so you didn't have a lot of time with the camera, but nope. um, you you at least you shot with it. So how does it? How quick is it? Is it like point and shoot, or does it take more more preparation, more work to take a photo? So the I didn't find it to be particularly slow. It's not DSLR fast, of course. So m- more like point and shoot fast. More like point and shoot fast. Yeah, mm-hmm. like point and shoot like two years ago mm-hmm. in terms of speed, like on a camera that has 
uh, like an electronic viewfinder. You know how sometimes there can be a slight delay while it gets the focus, and mm-hmm. it feels feels a little bit like that. Not not problematic, but it, it's not a sports camera, that's for sure. It, it has 16 cameras built in, and I think they all kind of have to focus, I guess. So, is it like does it make a lot of worry sounds and things? No, there's there's I don't recall hearing any sound whatsoever from the thing other than uh, the the artificial sort of shutter click. Um, the screen on the back is quite large. Um, touch screen on the back where it's for all your controls because there's no external controls other than basically the power button. Oh, really? Doesn't have any sliders, any, um, I don't know, any... All on screen. All on screen, okay. All on screen, yeah. So, so the two modes that I sort of tried were basically, well, mostly I just tried the manual mode because that was, you know, I wanted to see how that worked. And it, it has uh, ISO control and it has... Uh, focal length control, it has shutter speed control, and it has no aperture control. The apertures are all fixed. Now, the camera, um, I guess you you can set it to take multiple... Can you set it to a resolution? Because I know you, you can take, like, I think up to up to 81 megapixels of photos out of it. But do, do you set that in camera, or is that something that you would do in post-processing? I didn't play with that. I, I would imagine that, that there was some setting I didn't have time to get into um, that, that you can set that. Okay, so you have not really looked at any of the resulting images? Not yet. I'm still waiting. Is my cousin's camera. He got it. He was an early, uh, I don't know, Kickstarter or whatever. And uh, so I'm waiting for him to send me the, the DNG files, the raw files, so I could have a look and start pixel peeping and seeing Did how they look. Did you install the software for it? I think it's called Lumen. I haven't. No, I don't. You haven't. Okay. I will when I need to. Because I, be, I believe from what I read is you have to do, Ooh. you have to post-process the pictures. You cannot just get them out of the camera. Uh, I think that is correct. Yeah. And it was pretty neat. I mean, the, you know, because there are no external sliders or dials or anything, um, Uh, like adjusting shutter speed and and ISO Because and focal they, length. The aperture will be will be calculated in in post. That is a computational step that they do with the, the, yes. the field and everything. So does it feel more like a, like an okay? This is only for enthusiasts right now, or does it feel like it's a glimpse into some sort of uh, photography future? It definitely felt like the. It definitely felt more like photography future. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, because it's all very touchscreen, it, it feels kind of future-y, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it's a future that will be widely adopted. I don't know if it's ahead of its time or uh, if it's, you know, sort of right where it needs to be. I don't know. I guess we'll see when we see the actual first results of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really, really interesting sort of concept and um experiment to see how it works um that the proof certainly will be in uh, in the image results but in terms of the actual product I, i have to say i was pretty impressed with its build quality the speed of the interface on the touchscreen was really good it was very responsive when you when you zoom in and out uh with the different lenses it feels seamless it didn't feel like it was didn't feel like it was jumping from one lens to another. So it's just like one one slide from from all the way wide angle to all the way telephoto. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. You just like like any other slider for adjusting shutter speed or adjusting ISO, you just slide to adjust focal length. Yeah, I was I was I was impressed with it. It's a it's a neat little camera. It is weird seeing all those lenses. <laughs> Hold on, one one question I forgot to ask. Yeah. Um, did you try blocking some of the cameras because i think that's if, if, mm. I, i know a lot of people who when they shoot with a smartphone they have half a finger over the lens that is mm. definitely something with 16 lenses that will happen <laughs> it's inevitable so did you try that did you play with that i did not try and see what happens if you block some of the lenses okay. no that's that would be interesting to see if it how it deals with uh, some sort of missing information Now I just need to see what the images look like. Well, um, I can't wait. I'll share them with you when I get them. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Anytime. Okay. So, what do you think? Hmm. Doesn't it, sound it, too bad, right? Uh, it's yeah. I mean, it, you know, let, let's let, let's cut it some slack. <laughs> This is a first gen product. 
you know and so you know there's there's always going to be room for evolution isn't there from something that is is, is absolutely brand spanking new um do you know what the thing that really interested me in, in what sean was saying yeah there's one little phrase that stuck in my head from when he uh, from it um he doesn't know whether it's it's uh some kind of you know um evolutionary dead end in photography I forget his exact words but yeah. it is it, it whether it's a something that's going to go somewhere or whether it's not um and and i think that's that's that, that's right at the heart of this isn't it for for us and for this conversation is is that actually is this the future of photography is there is this something that is a, a looking at uh, looking at things to come or is it something that is simply um a, a nice toy and, and and a nice experiment but but isn't going to go anywhere and well, i think i hope it does I well think it, i i hope it does too because now i think we um we get to the point where we kind of have to uh, to look deeper into some of the areas there because there is some critique on this camera and uh, um, yeah there, there's there's always going to be i mean so so we're well, talking here, about the, pe we're talking about people on the internet aren't we <laughs> well we <laughs> we are we are talking about um not just people on the internet but uh, uh one very respected blog called petapixel and uh, they have a review out that is that is titled uh um, the Light 16, brilliant but brain dead. Mm, or something along those good. lines. <laughs> that doesn't doesn't sound too good. So here here are a few things about it at this point. Um, and uh, well, the first is the, sti the stitching in the camera between the different lenses doesn't what well, seems to need work. Let's put it this way. Uh, you can get artifacts. Um, I've seen some examples of someone taking a picture of a brick wall, and then you have like half of the brick wall. Being uh, having a different focus than the other half of the brick wall, so you get a blurry part and a sharp part, for example. So um, there's there's something that definitely will need work. Um, they uh, they also say that the camera loves light and needs it, which I found interesting. So it's it's not good in low ISO, in, in high ISO and low light. Uh, anything apparently anything over 400 ISO 400 is ugly doesn't look so nice. I, I guess that's going to be maybe well a consideration for that might be the fact that in this pretty small box they've crammed 16 sensors oh they are so all small sensors for they sure. must all be you know phone sized sensors mustn't mm -hmm. they if they're going to fit that many of those of so because it's not just the sensor is it it's the right. chips they sit on and it's you know it's, it's a camera module it's got 16 camera modules in it in in a thing that's not much bigger than a phone there are 16 phone sized camera modules <laughs> Well, so so outdoors, it seems the results you can get are from from fine to very very good. the 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 quote from the article is: "When it works, it's truly game changing." See, that's the thing that excites me. When it works, it has a it has an effective focal length or focal range from twenty eight to one fifty. That's a for a camera that size that is unheard of. Um, it is more a point and shoot. It works like a smartphone, so you have a few controls on the back as sean said very responsive so it's easy to to uh, to change things um can we get, get that just thinking about that that um zoom range so it, uh, i think you know traditionally phone cameras have had fairly wide angle lenses somewhere around a 28 as an average and i think the iphone sat at 28 mil equivalent for years didn't it um, and now you've got the, these new phones, these new top of the range phones from a, a bunch of manufacturers that have more than one camera module in them. And most of those, they call them telephoto, but really they're a sort of 50 to 60 millimeter equivalent. So more of a normal lens than a telephoto. But when you say you've got an equivalent in this going right out to 150, I mean, that's proper telephoto focal length, isn't it? It is. And you uh, apparently also can get an amazing level of detail in the photos when the caveat when shot in the right conditions and at the right focal lengths because that is another thing you have uh, you have a few focal lengths that where the camera is really good 
So right. there's there's the the you get the maximum resolution only at three distinct focal lengths at 28, at 35, and at 75. <laughs> you know what my 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 future of photography brain is right jump right back to the past, and that reminds me of a, a Leica Elmerit lens. You know <laughs> where, where it's not it's not a zoom lens; it just has three separate settings. You know? Yes, yes. So so you you can uh, dial in any any focal length in between, but you will not get the best resolution there. Um, but we we probably would still be good because. It is capable of up to, in, in ideal conditions, of up to, I think, 80 megapixels, but 50 should be kind of uh, in it for sure. Um, is that related then to the the actual focal length of the physical lenses in the camera and the rest of it is computational? Uh, I would Th- think that is the case. So there are, there are several lenses in there that are that have their designations on the front of the camera so you will know what the actual what the actual focal lengths are and then the camera will certainly do some computation some cropping some 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 magic in the box um i have uh, got my hands on a photo out of the camera and the software oh okay software. tell me so more tell me more i do have a first hand um experience with that and it does have all the okay so my mine is based on lumen 2.0.58 the reason i say the version number is because they have rapid updates i think once a week or something like that they they yield, they, they they issue updates for um for the camera itself the firmware and the post processing software lumen uh, so th- whatever i say now might be obsolete in a few weeks but um it has the standard Things you would expect in a in a post processing software like color temperature and the tint and the vibrance and the saturation exposure contrast sharpening all these kind of things are in there. Um, the software itself is, I'd say, a bit a bit sluggish, a bit clunky. It's a beta. It says it's a beta, so take anything I say with a grain of salt. Um, <clears throat> the main slider, the most important one that goes into the computational aspects of it, is called depth effect. So there's a slider that sets a virtual aperture. And you can slide this from, well, I didn't change the, check the range, but anywhere from F3 to F15 or more. So That you, sounds pretty interesting. You get to change the depth of field of the photo. Don't think I have a slider called that in Lightroom. No, you don't, because you do not have the because Lightroom doesn't have that information. That's what it does with those with this array of cameras, and it allows you to um, to computationally create depth of field. It's a very similar, I guess, or it is somewhat similar to what you get with the the portrait mode on iPhones and the similar modes on on Android phones that kind of artificially render an out of focus background. And here um, it does that. It does that quite convincingly. So you get uh, an, a pretty much a good a good approximation to what an out of focus background, what bokeh would look like. So, uh, so no need for ND filters anymore. Then, you know, so you, you can just shoot it at f eleven or whatever the the, the natural uh, aperture of these lenses is, and and then pretend you shot it at f three later on. You can do that. Yes, you can do that. Um, then there is another um, tool that's called Set Focus. So you get to fine-tune the focus within limits. And when you when you press that button, it gives you a, a, a version of that photo where it shades away most of it because you, you will, the camera will focus when shooting, so you have a focus area. And then within limits, you can fix the focus in that area. Okay. Say, okay, so, focus, so if focus you... Here just miss somebody's eyes for example and focus on their ears by mistake you might i believe be that's what you would use it for yes okay so that you know, you know what <laughs> i could use one of those definitely <laughs> then there is a function called refine edge and that's where it becomes interesting for me and a bit frustrating because the algorithms if you go low if you go big aperture little depth of field so lots of out of focus then it does ha- it does do this computationally because the cameras themselves in the in the l16 have a fixed uh, aperture so it pretty much they shoot everything in focus because they have small sensors right so what you get is some issues on edges 
between the in-focus and the out-of-focus parts. An example I saw in the article by Petapixel was a picture of a cat where the whiskers um, stick out and uh, some of the whiskers are out of focus and some are in focus it looks like it's broken uh so so it's it's because whiskers are uh, i guess are, are quite fine in the photo so it's probably focusing on the background at that point is it which is more of that patch of the image it, it it is weird looking it does it does look a bit clunky and then you need the refine edge tool to really get it right so it's not enough to just at this point not enough to just slide the slider to f3 and say, okay, <laughs> that's it. I have my out of focus, my shallow depth of field. No, you have to kind of go and refine edges and work on that. That's my understanding at this point. Right. Do you know what? Somebody should introduce these guys to Serif, shouldn't they? The, the <laughs> software company. Yeah. So if you take, it sounds like you need some sort of equivalent of the uh, the in painting tool from Affinity Photo. Probably. Uh, yeah, just just gently gently brush across that, and and then suddenly magically everything is fixed. <laughs> right. So there, there's a there's another tool that's called Blend Area, which I'm I don't fully understand what it does. And then there's one that's called Match Depth, where you uh, I believe can again within limits match the the depth of one area to another area, so um, so that that they're both in focus. Okay, so these that so the you have some manual parameters in the <clears throat> algorithm that you could set to even things out a little bit. That's what I understand, and then um, that's pretty much it. You get to export it then to a JPEG or a DNG or both, and you can choose uh, several resolutions to do this at eight megapixels, at thirteen megapixels, or full. That's the third setting. And when I exported that photo, it ended up at 51 megapixels. Okay. So actually, so DNG is good. The um, DNG you know, is good. They just, uh, they just apparently issued an update to the software that makes the DNG more compatible with other software. So DNG is not the same as DNG. <laughs> <laughs> right okay so so no, okay that's a bit misleading then isn't it because when i see some when i see something that says dng i you know um i mean that's well, supposed to be a standard isn't it so they, they've made some of their own interpretations <laughs> i guess have they? dng for those who don't know is the digital negative it's a specification for images that has been brought forth by adobe and uh, that has been adopted by a few camera manufacturers and uh, is, uh, is kind of this universal raw format. But it isn't that universal because the, while there is a specification, there are extensions that camera manufacturers and, and companies can put in themselves. So there's a, apparently, and as we see here, that the DNG doesn't work, work everywhere. Um, they have now optimized it to work at least in apple photos and in some other software so okay so so it's, it's coming it's coming along because i mean it's a software me, based product that's the thing it's a software based product so they are now i think i have the feeling they they released it a bit too early because they are not quite there yet There's, it's still in beta and this camera seems to feel like it is still doing some things that it shouldn't yeah but um, adobe do that though of course, everyone does <laughs> and, this. Now. And Apple do that, and yeah, you know, so it's not. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't criticize them for doing that. Yeah, you know, you know what we call this here in Germany? It's, it's banana software. <laughs> it ripens at the customer's house. Oh, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so and, anyway, yes. the export. Let me just 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 finish that that arch. The export is slow. It takes a while for pictures to export. Uh, that's something that they might be able to um, to optimize on. And uh, but they are they are of course with that kind of uh, requirement to fix edges and things which I think you have to do um, that can get frustrating quite quickly because you end up having to do it. So just just imagine um, just imagine you would you, okay. What do you do when when you return home with a with a memory card full of photos? I will. I will put it in the card reader. I'll fire up Lightroom. I go import all all photos, and I go and make myself a cup of tea, and then I come back and the photos are imported, and then I work on them. Uh, what you do here is uh, at this point, and they are hopefully going to change that. Is with the software with Lumen, you import one photo at a time. It is at its default setting of f15, 
so it is pretty much everything in focus and then if you if you had a photo shoot where you need shallow depth of field you'll have to um, open every photo and fix it in yeah. in lumen then export it and then import it into your regular workflow as oh, in lightroom and so on that's pro- quite an overhead isn't it so is there um is there a, like an embedded jpeg so that you could choose i do not know that and i hope okay. it is but then that will not have any of your optimizations changes you cannot set an aperture at shooting time even a virtual one no but i know a man that. i know a man though who once wrote a book called something like how to process a thousand images in an hour yes and this would completely destroy that work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might have, you might have to update that book. But, Petapixel but, even has a few choice words about it. It says, it's a pretty photographer-hostile workflow. That's the wording of Petapixel uh, okay. about it. Okay. So, so if, you, if you're a landscape photographer, if you want that front-to-back focus, then you, could, you can just leave them there. But if you do a portrait session with it, then that's going to be a lot of time and work that goes into it because all yeah. the images need some correction um, and you also need to change the, the the depth mapping in them because it gets things wrong still so for example uh, imagine you're taking a picture of a person with their hands on their hips then you have these holes between the arms and the body and where outside mm. of the the, the person you have the out-of-focus backgrounds, the shallow depth of field, it is still sharp within those holes, so it can't detect those yet. So you have to fix them. You have to tell them that, oh, this is a hole that shows the background. Um, the, uh, let me quote again from the article. Uh, if you love bokeh, you want to love this product for the ability to adjust depth of field and refocus. Lumen simply isn't able to do it to any level of consistency. Shoot a few portraits, adjust the depth of field to f2.8 or f4, spend the rest of your day trying to save edge data, details, hair, and poorly matched depth. E- every one of the photos that Lumen misses on will make you wish you sucked it up and carried a different camera. So yeah. it's that that is at this point pretty uh, a pretty harsh verdict. On the other hand, and um, I will now try to argue from the from the standpoint of the f- of a fan of computational photography. Go is for it. As as many products today, this is a software driven product. You have a lot of hardware, decent cameras in there. Um, it is something that will over time change and will become better because you can update the software and apparently they do. So like like with a Tesla, which they add features by add, oh, by updating the software every now and then and all of a sudden it can do parallel parking uh, automatically, which it couldn't for a while. Yeah, over-the-air so firmware updates really worry me in a vehicle that will do Oh, they are. They are, they are scary, <laughs> but in a, camera, <clears throat> in a camera, I don't think it's as scary. Yes, if, um, if your camera firmware crashes, you're not going to die, are you? <laughs> so <laughs> but, but of course, if you bought this product now, you would buy it on that promise, right? You would You would have to trust the company that it will deliver on those things. Um, it is oh also uh, one shortcoming and it doesn't have it does have no image stabilization whatsoever okay but sh- so. Uh, so so shooting it if the lenses for example are sort of around f15 at their native you might end up with some quite slow shutter speeds i would imagine um i think it would you would especially yeah with the lowest low uh, light photography the high iso not being that good on it um so the conclusion is it's it is the only camera of its kind at this form factor with a 28 to 150 equivalent zoom and over 50 megapixels that is truly game changing that's some impressive stats that uh, very impressive stats a bit like it handles a bit like a media medium format camera because it's slow it's it's fuzzy <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's not really that good in low light i know i'm overgeneralizing here but okay. in general okay, yeah. uh, digital medium format cameras used to be that way at least um also uh the article says in the in the right hands with the right tripod stabilization you can make awesome photos but the autofocus isn't super quick as sean said more like a point and shoot from five years ago doesn't so have if you if you have to use a tripod though that kind of destroys the benefit of having it a coat pocketable camera doesn't yeah. it yeah uh, the the, uh, the 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 image stabilization isn't there, so you need to stabilize it somehow, um, and it doesn't really integrate in any existing workflow 
it's a problem. So their conclusion is that at, at $1,700, there are better market leaders. Um, they compared, for example, with the $1,000 Sony RX100, which has a bigger sensor, it does it, it, it even in low light. You you get ninety percent of your shots, as opposed to just a few percent. Um, of course, you do not have the high resolution on that camera, but it shoots a comfortable ISO thirty two hundred, and that the L sixteen doesn't do that. So, I mean, it, it switched off. It's smaller than the L sixteen, I guess, because that's a pretty tiny camera. The RX one hundred series, isn't it? It is tiny. It's smaller than than the uh, than the L sixteen for sure. That's like more um, like a sort of cigarette packet size, isn't it? Yes. So, what? Okay, let's ask our our, our standard question: What does that camera? What does the L sixteen mean for the future of photography? Well, I, you know, I I like the idea of this stuff. I, I you know I like the idea of a, a point and shoot where you can fix it in post, um, uh, and I know that uh, and that seems to be part of the philosophy behind this. Um, you know, something that you, you know, there, there becomes yeah, there, it removes barriers. So I, there's a lot of times where I'll put I'll, I'll get my phone out of my pocket because it's the only camera I have with me, and I've spotted something, and I'll get the and and I'll sort of switch the camera on, and I'll look at the screen, and I think, no, nah, I can't reach that shot, yeah, you know, because I've got a. <sighs> whatever the lens is i think it's a rough it's about a 28 millimeter equivalent lens in my phone i think it, it um, is it is a bit wider than normal yes yeah and so um and my brain as you uh works in uh, at roughly 50 mil um uh so uh when i see things um uh, i see things from a 50 millimeter point of view <laughs> <laughs> right. so my, my my brain right my brain is a 50 has a 50 mil lens and it works in aperture priority <laughs> <laughs> okay um so you know uh and there's so there's quite a, there's quite a few occasions where i get my phone up and and look to take a shot and think oh no no the, it's, it's just not the shot i thought i can't capture the thing that i had in my head whereas with the l16 actually that problem goes away doesn't it because if you can see it, you can capture it, and it doesn't matter what focal length your brain is, um, uh, yeah, it, or what aperture your brain is. Um, you can it, it'll capture it all, and you can get it, fix it afterwards. Yeah, and yes, this is this is first generation. So there's, there's I mean, what I'm hearing here, I think from from your own personal experience, from the uh, the little snippet you had from Sean talking to Sean from the Petapixel review. I think what I'm hearing here is that this is a first-generation product and there's plenty of room for improvement. Um, but what if it worked? That would be awesome, wouldn't it? I, I, I hope they will get to the point where it works and where it delivers on, on everything that, that people want. And I think it is a, definitely a glimpse into the future of photography in one way or another. Um, but at this point... I think I have to agree with Petapixel. It's it's more frustration than anything else at this point. But the, the the foundation is good. The hardware seems to be really good, as Sean said. So it is something that hopefully will be they will be able to uh, throw better software on and and make it work better like this. So I think let's 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 maybe put this on on a, on a, on, a, on our calendars to revisit it in in a year or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yes, I can see, you know, it's, it's it, like a lot of products, it's it's difficult to love the first generation, isn't it? And you, ha you know, the, the, the things that come up for refinement over time, but it's, it's, it will will improve it. Really good to hear, though, that they're doing um, firmware and software updates regularly. Right. Um, I mean, that, having well, that... I think they have of, to at this point, they have to. <laughs> yeah, but having that sort of native agility in the way they develop a product and having a commitment to developing a product um is is you know is increasingly important in the marketplace today uh, i mean the the uh, because i happen to shoot with a fuji camera actually um it's quite um it, it's something you get used to and start to expect really quickly and you think well why doesn't everybody else do it why doesn't everybody else get firmware upgrades so my main camera my main digital camera is a Fuji X-T1, which at this point I think is about three years old. I can't even remember, to be honest. Um, and uh, I haven't done it yet, but I heard that this month 
you know, so the camera is three years old and it was obsoleted about two, about a year ago by the by its, you know, the successor, the X-T2. And I think they're releasing a new firmware image for it this week or this month, I should say, oh, okay. um, which is going to give, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's a product integration firmware image. So it's going to give it the ability to talk to the new square format Instax printer, ah, I think. Okay. Yeah, um, and I suspect that'll be the final firmware update for for that particular model of camera because it is, you know, by modern standards, getting on a bit now. But if Light are committing to working in that way, I think that's a really strong decision from them. All right, let's leave it at that. And, oh, this this show is getting long. Let's get to our robot. Oh, robot naming time. Robot naming time. Hold on, hold on. I have a... Here's my fanfare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> it's robot naming time. And, uh, well, first of all, thanks thanks all who participated, who submitted a name. You are awesome. We have almost 100 entries in this in this form here, which is wonderful to see. We were having lots of fun watching while they were coming in. <laughs> it's yeah, very impressive. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, it's it's also an, a, a cool mix of stuff, a great mix of stuff. Um, so with the mode we have now decided on is that we will give away three T-shirts. We have a bunch of honorable mentions that we'll go through and out of which we will select one winner. We have the, how did you call it, the Cleverness Award? Yeah, yes. <laughs> the, there's, one, the, there's one that I think we both agree deserves special recognition and a t-shirt because of the thought that's gone into the uh, into the name okay and then there's a first place that we both agreed on is just sort of perfect so um let's go through the honorable mentions first we have six of those um tobias bartz writes uh, sunny 16 as the name <laughs> for, the, for the for the robot and uh you were the one who went, oh, I like this. Why? How come? I, well, I, you know, it's the name of my other podcast, isn't it? And it's like, <laughs> fantastic name, possibly sent to the wrong show. Um, <laughs> but, you know, hey, uh, that's fine. Um, you know, thank you very much, Tobias. Um, although, you know, did you have a, did, did you think there might be some manipulation at play here? Well, it's it's a bit of pandering to you, I guess. <laughs> well, assuming well, there's some big assumptions in that. There's an assumption that Tobias listens to Sunny Sixteen or knows of it, and and that he would choose to try and influence our decision. But there you go. Well, we, as we, as we mentioned Sunny Sixteen a few times before here, um, that is your other podcast about film photography, and everyone go subscribe to it and listen. Then Paul Jones has a, a combined our, our first names into Adris. Yep. Uh, combination, good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, and of course, he put my name first, so I'm going to love that, aren't oh, I? Of course, of course. Again, <laughs> pandering to you, of course. Even though Chris and Adrian in the, in the, other, in the other order would be Cradrian. Cr- yeah, possibly. Cr- Christrian. Yes. No, yes. that wouldn't work as, no. well, as well. Anyway, honorable mention. Um, of course, <laughs> a very obvious name for a cute little robot, and it, this came in by uh, from two people, from Steve Connery and Deborah Nelson, is Pixel. Pixel, yes, yes, uh, of course, and, and right as we record this, a very popular name because the the current Google killer camera phone is called the <laughs> Pixel as well, isn't it? So, so it's an honorable mention, and uh, and and Tim, uh, 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 yeah, Tim, just Tim uh, submitted Peter pixel which was kind of nice but then it also reminds me very much of petapixel sounds almost like the the photo block petapixel mm. um next I one's ha- quite clever the next one is really clever uh talbot tell t-a-l-b-o-t and the reason it is clever is um if you have ever looked into the history of photography henry fox talbot is one of the one of the pioneers uh, of photography. Yeah, he he was in the uh, well in the nineteenth century. I think sort of early to mid nineteenth century. I think particularly he was experimenting with photography. Um, he was uh, 
he, he was a, a rich gentleman of leisure, I, I think. I mean, he was a big landowner in in the west of England. And, and these days you can go to the country house, uh, I forget the name, begins with an L, um, which has actually been turned into a museum of, the, uh, of, of early photography. So that's always a really good day out for anybody that happens to be in the west of England. He invented uh, two, two processes that one is called salted paper and the other is calotype. So if you ever want to look into that, we'll link that in the show notes. Yes, and thank you, Emily Gollihue, for that suggestion. And then the, 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 the last honorable mention here is Photron. And Chris Nagel and Sean submitted that. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's one of those proper robot names. Right, it is like like, <laughs> is. like like you would name your dog Spot or something. You would name a robot Photron. Yes, it's a, it's a bit you of can a imagine saying Photron in a Photron, yeah, in, in yeah. A, yeah. It's it's a it's a good a good robot name. That <laughs> it's a good. I like it fits, that it one. fits into the into the early twentieth century science fiction area. Photron, like a like a um, uh, Flash Gordon kind of thing. Photron would work really well in that. Actually, it would, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, so we've got to uh, we've got to uh, think of a mechanism for um, giving one of these honourable mentions, uh, wa awarding a T-shirt. Well, I do have a mechanism here, and the mechanism is uh, dice. And okay, do, which as and interesting enough, there are six mentions, so that would fit on a regular dice. But I don't have a regular one here. I have a ten-sided one here for Aww, some weird reason. My little geeky friend. No, I'm not. <laughs> No, you know, you know where this is from. We have a on on Happy Shooting on the, on the German Photo Podcast. We have a a competition that we um, that we have to to get numbers from one to one hundred. So I have two of those here, and those are the. That's why. So what's what's the uh, what's the shape? What's the the, geo the geometrical name for for a ten sided dice? I don't know. I have no idea. I can tell you, I can tell you the English. I, I certainly wouldn't be able to Dito, tell you the Dito German. Dito dingihedron. So it's, it, I think it's a decahedron in decahedron. English. Yes. Well, I'm not sure if this is an actual de decahedron because it has to work as a as a dice. So it has to be weighted on all the faces. Has to be weighted the same. And I'm not sure if a decahedron actually is weighted exactly the same on all those sides. Well, uh -huh. I don't know. Let's that's <laughs> the future of dice. Um, so so the, point, will, the point is, though, the point is we've got six choices, but we've got a dice with ten numbers on so it. So we might have to have a couple of goes at this. If it's not between between and including one and six, uh, I'll just roll again. So uh, let me roll, and it's an eight. See, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> let me roll again, and that's an eight again. Wow, this is a wonky dice this is a nine okay it's definitely biased towards the bigger ones at this point a nine again two eights two nines well randomness works apparently keep going keep going three three pixel steve Excellent. connery and deborah nelson so we have okay. two winners so that's a t-shirt for both of you yeah absolutely yeah uh, yes one each <laughs> one each so um, uh, well done, Steve, and well done, Deborah, and thank you for your uh, suggestion of Pixel as the name for our robot. And to get a T-shirt, send an email to aid at thefuturephotography.com with your, well, proof that, that this is you, as, as in not anyone send in and say, I'm Steve, and uh, aid will take care of it. We have the Cleverness Award. Why don't you explain that? Okay, so this is uh, this is something that occurred to me while I was reviewing all of the suggestions of names, and this, this one came up. So I am a big fan of sci-fi. Right? I've, I've spent my whole life reading sci-fi novels. I love sci-fi movies and things like that. So so this, this name jumped out at me. This is a name that is, it makes reference to uh, you know, a, a classic sci-fi author who is a household name. He also wrote a whole series of books about robots. <laughs> Uh, also, well, some of them are short stories, but there, there are there are books about robots that he wrote. Um, and not only that, but uh, the person that suggested this name uh, turned it into a, what in English is a full grammatically correct sentence <laughs> and made it relevant to photography as well. So who's so the sci-fi author? The sci-fi author is Isaac Asimov. 
mm-hmm. um, well known, um, well for a number of his series of stories, well known for his Foundation series, but of course also well known for his Robot series. And uh, for those of you that may not have read Asimov, uh, there was a film, or probably about ten years ago now, called I Robot, um, which is actually based on stories that were written by Asimov. So it's got a robot link. It's got a sci-fi link, which I love. Um, the so the name was uh, that was has been suggested. Uh, they changed the spelling slightly, so the name is I click as I move. <laughs> this is this is and, yeah. It jumped, and if you it think about our robot, well. yeah, our robot has a camera as a head and has a, and has legs, so you can totally imagine our robot clicking as it moves. So this is how we got the cleverness award for me, and I have to say a big thank you to Paul Friday for suggesting this because I just uh, you know it tickled me when I first read it, and I can't get it out of my head. And every time I think about it, it works on a different level. <laughs> All right, Paul, send an email to aid at thefuturephotography dot com. Let's get to the first prize, the first oh, one, it, which is, is one that, one. but which is one that we both marked as uh, as as a really good one, and it is. Evie. Okay, so let's explain. Dave, Dave Shooter submitted that one. Um, Evie, we we changed the the suggested spelling slightly. It is e e v e e. But if you are anywhere deep in photography, you'll know that ev is well, is an abbreviation for uh, exposure value. Uh, exposure value on a, on a on a light meter. Or it is an electronic viewfinder. And it is a, a name that I like because it is kind of neutral. It is kind of, doesn't have the, I don't know, doesn't have the, 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 it, it doesn't have that photon, you know, this, <laughs> I'm a big bad robot. It has something that's quite cute about it. It is a little bit cute, isn't it? And uh, yeah, and it has links back to photography again. Uh, you know, um, so uh, yeah, very very clever, very good suggestion. And you and I both agreed that that should be our winner, didn't we? It is. So our robot is now named Evie, and Dave, you um, you submitted that, and we thank you for it. And you have you will get a T-shirt as well. All right. Absolutely. So if you're you guys, so just run through the names again. Dave Shooter, Paul Friday, Steve Connery and Deborah Nelson. If you guys could all send me an email, aid at the future of photography or you, com. Actually, you left your email, so we'll probably contact you for your address because we need that to get the T-shirts to you. Yes. Okie dokie. That was it for episode. Which one is it? Uh, I think this is 009. There we go, 009 for the first one in 2018. The first of many to come. And we thank you for, for being here, for being subscribed. You can find all the other episodes in your podcast client or on thefutureofphotography.com, thefutureofphotography.com, where you can also subscribe, which is, by the way, the easiest and best way to um, to to get the show automatically in your podcast client whenever it comes out which we'll try to do this every week. Okay. Um, All right. Happy New Year. And thanks, everyone. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Hold up. 